Let's talk a little golf. Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Jackson. LaValley Sports Talk begins right now. What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of the LaValley Sports Talk podcast brought to you by the Sunline Network. As always, I am your host, Chris LaValley. I hope you all are doing well, staying safe. So this week, I wanted to kick off the podcast and talk a little golf. I have been negligent in my golf talk uh, over the past couple of weeks. There's been obviously other sports stories that have been going on, uh, and I just haven't gotten to it. And that's that's my mistake, uh, because aside from soccer, international soccer anyway, golf has been the only live sports that we've had. And I just want to take like a couple of minutes just to talk about it. And I've been watching it every week. I mean, it's been um, it's at least been nice to to be able to see some sort of live sporting event. And golf is. Um, Golf has been that for me anyway. It's kind of scratched that itch, if you will. And it's been some great golf, man. I mean, it's it's been some really interesting tournaments. I mean, we've had the uh, the Charles Schwab Classic, the Travelers Championship, and this past weekend was the Rocket Mortgage Championship in Detroit. And all of them have been really exciting to watch. Uh, this past weekend, Brian DeChambeau won. Excuse me, Bryson DeChambeau won. I keep screwing up his name. He's the uh, he's the up and coming hothead on the course. Um, for those of you who don't know, he's uh, he's a bit of a malcontent when he's on the course. He's a, he's a little bombastic to uh, to be kind. Um, I can't think of the the tennis uh, the tennis player uh, the McEnroe. I can't think of his first name. I think it's John McEnroe. I think you know John McEnroe in tennis. He used to like chuck his tennis rackets and break them and scream at people whenever uh, you know a, a game didn't go his way. Bryson DeChambeau is is akin to that. We'll just put it that way. He's um, I think a hothead is the best way to describe him. He won this past weekend. Dustin Johnson won two weeks ago, and I can't remember who won the Charles Schwab Classic uh, three weeks ago. But um, regardless, it's been some great golf. We've seen Phil Mickelson play pretty well. He played well in the Travelers Championship. Um, Justin Thomas has played pretty well. However, my boy, actually my two boys, Brooks Kepka and Jordan Spieth, have not played all that well uh, the, the past few weeks, unfortunately. But that's also a positive because what we're seeing, if you've been, t- or for those have, who have been watching, are seeing a lot of other up and coming stars in golf, like. DeChambeau, for example. I mean, again, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the way that he carries himself, but there's no denying the fact that this dude is is up and coming. He's an up and coming star. And it's interesting, too, how he he completely revel- or transformed his body uh, over the year, uh, the past year. Last year, he was like this relatively skinny. He was kind of built like Justin, Dustin Johnson, like, you know, pretty thin, lean, kind of guy he then like put on i don't even i don't remember how much it was i think it was like 50 pounds of muscle or whatever the hell it was and like he looks like a balloon now in comparison he's just this big stocky guy but he's driving the ball 325 yards or 350 yards i mean it's incredible like this guy has completely revolutionized his game to try and gain a competitive edge and he and he he did it naturally. Obviously, it's not like the guy's taking performance enhancing drugs or anything. He just decided I'm going to lift a shitload of weights. I'm going to eat a lot, and we'll see what happens. So I mean, it's it's showing different sides of, of these of these athletes, or rather, just showing that that golf has these up and coming athletes that are intriguing stories. I mean, golf can't just rely on Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson or even Jordan Spieth or Brooks Kepka. We need. Golf needs to have more stars, more interesting characters for people to want to sit down and watch the sport. 
So while I may not like the way that DeChambeau carries himself all the time on the course, he's still somebody that you want to watch, even if you can't stand watching him. Every sport needs a villain, right? And DeChambeau could be that villain. I mean, he's only 25 years old. And then you have fan favorites like Ricky Fowler, who have never won a major. He's kind of like the Sergio Garcia of this generation. The dude's never won a major, but he's always kind of hanging around. Um, you know, I root for Ricky. I, I hope Ricky wins a major this year. That'd be awesome. I mean, that's really the only thing missing from this guy. He's won plenty of PGA Tour tournaments. He's just never won the big one. So you have a storyline like that. And then you still have Dustin Johnson, like I said, who won a couple of weeks ago, who's still at the top of his game. Dustin Johnson is just such a fun player to watch. He's an incredible, I mean, he's an incredible golfer, obviously, but like, he's just, he's a really, really fun player to watch the way that he plays, the way that he carries himself. So look, I mean, if you haven't taken the chance yet or taken the opportunity to sit down and watch some live sports, I understand golf isn't for everybody. And I wasn't much of a golf fan until I started playing myself about 10 years ago. Um, and I suck at golf. I'm awful. But I've really learned to, to grow to respect the sport, just in the sense that it's really incredible to suck at something as badly as I suck at golf. But to be able to sit down and watch these people just hit the ball the way that they do and, and just, the, just the, the way that they're able to carry themselves on the course is just incredible. And um, I highly recommend that you guys take the time. If you have an opportunity, just sit down, watch like an hour of it. It's on um, – th- these tournaments are going to be on every weekend on CBS – uh, they start at like they they do the the latter half of, of each day, uh, so three o'clock on Saturdays and Sundays. And then if you have the Golf Channel, um, which I do, I, if you have Hulu Live, um, you you have the Golf Channel, and uh, you can watch Thursday and Fridays rounds. Actually, you can watch Thursday Friday and then the early rounds on Saturdays and Sundays because they carry it up until CBS starts broadcasting it at three o'clock. So look, if you're looking to scratch that itch, watch a little live sports, I highly recommend you sit down and watch a little golf. I think you'll enjoy it. So obviously the biggest NFL news going right now is Pat Mahomes signing that massive 10-year contract with the Chiefs. Uh, the As of the time of me recording this podcast, the particulars of how much that contract is worth hasn't exactly been released yet. I mean, I'm thinking he's. It's probably in the range of like half a billion dollars. I mean, we're we're probably looking at a 10 year contract, probably with all incentives, all bonuses, everything included. He's probably looking at like a 500 million dollar contract. I, I I don't think it's because you also have to take into account it's also adding on um, these two years as well, or the, these current two years. So he's got two years, and then the 10 year, um, or and then eight years after that. So look, I. I just, I just think the guy's going to get about a half a billion dollars, which is, inc- I mean, it, it's unbelievable how much money this guy is going to make. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's <laughs> like if you ever told me growing up that you were going to see a professional athlete make a half a billion dollars in a contract, in one contract, I would be like, no, you're out of your mind. I mean, if you told me that he was going to make a half a million dollars both on the field and off the field, yeah, I could buy into that. But the fact that this dude, not even including endorsements, Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be the first billion-dollar athlete while he's still currently playing. I mean, I know LeBron James is probably worth a billion dollars at this point in time, but LeBron James also has, like, a multimedia empire. He's got all of these other ancillary things behind the scenes. He's got his own production company. He's got, he's producing all these other shows and stuff for HBO. He's got like a deal with Time Warner or whatever. Like, yeah, I mean, I I understand he's worth a billion dollars. He also has a freaking shoe contract with Nike, which is worth however much money that is. I don't know if Pat Mahomes has a shoe contract yet. 
but I'm just saying, I mean, this dude's going to make a billion dollars within 10 years. He's going to be, a, he's going to be worth a billion dollars, which is incredible. I mean, it's just insane. It, the money is just insane. A couple things though. Again, pump for Pat Mahomes. Good for him. He's making his money. A couple things. Number one, I don't think the Kansas city chiefs outside of maybe this season and possibly next season, I don't think they have another shot to win a Super Bowl. I think this is it. This is it. Look at the history of quarterbacks who get signed those massive contracts. How many of them have won Super Bowls? Exactly. Zero. None of them. No quarterback that I can remember that has signed a massive deal has ever won a Super Bowl. With the exception of maybe Peyton Manning when he went to the Broncos, because the Broncos did pay him really, really well. But even then, he didn't like max out. Like Peyton didn't max out. He made a decent amount of money, but he didn't max out his contract. Drew Brees has never won a Super Bowl since he maxed out. Aaron Rodgers has never won a Super Bowl since he maxed out. Eli Manning, I don't think he hit the max when he won his Super Bowl. Well, obviously in 2007, you're still under the rookie contract. And in 2011, I don't think he was like, he, he had maxed out at that point in time because he wasn't a top tier quarterback. Uh, Joe Flacco didn't get his top tier money until after he won his Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger, I don't think he ever like he, I know he made, he's made a lot of money, but he's ever since he's made like top three, four, five quarterback money, he's never won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, you look at all of these top quarterbacks. Russell Wilson has never won a Super Bowl since he got paid. And I understand he just got his contract, but still, the dude's never won a Super Bowl since he won his, excuse me, since he got his top-tier contract. Carson Wentz, same thing. So, I mean, it, it, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan hasn't won a Super Bowl since he's been paid top-tier money. Matt Stafford, same thing. The problem is, in the NFL, they do have a salary cap. So if you, if you put in all this freaking money into one player, you're not going to be able to sign top-tier talent at other positions. I mean, it's just a fact of life. And I'm not disparaging the Chiefs whatsoever for doing what they did. I mean, Pat Mahomes is the face of the NFL at this point in time. I, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'll still make the argument that until Tom Brady retires, Tom Brady's the face of the NFL, but it's a little more difficult now because Brady switched teams. I mean, whenever you think, if someone says Tom Brady, you think New England Patriots, you don't think Tampa Bay Bucks. So with the fact that he's now on a new team, I think that automatically puts Pat Mahomes ahead of him. I mean, again, I still, I still think it's Tom Brady, but I can understand the fact that those who, are, who aren't diehard NFL fans, who are just casual NFL fans, if you say, face of the league, you think Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform, you're not going to think Tom Brady in a Bucks uniform. Therefore, when you think face of the league at this point, you got to think Pat Mahomes in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. It's the only thing that makes sense. I mean, I guess you can make the argument for Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think you can make that argument anymore. So Pat Mahomes is the face of the league. He deserves the money. Nothing against him making the money. I'm just saying the Chiefs are going to have to start signing all these other great players that they have on their roster in the coming years, and they're not going to be able to sign everybody, which is why I'm saying the Chiefs have a two-year window to win two more Super Bowls. And then after that, I think it's going to get very difficult for them. It's, I mean, it's going to be difficult for them this season. I mean, you've got the Ravens who are going to be good. You have the Patriots who I think are going to be exceptional with Cam Newton. You have Pittsburgh. That's possibly coming back. You don't know what you're going to get out of the Chargers. You don't know what you're going to get out of the Raiders. 
And the Broncos could be sneaky good this year. Actually, I think the Broncos are going to be sneaky good this year. So you have these, these up-and-coming teams, in the, and of course the Colts. My Colts are going to be good. I pray. I pray every night they're going to be good, I hope. Because if, it, if they're not, I'm going to cry. Probably on this podcast. Anyway, the Chiefs have two years. They have this year, they have next year to win two more Super Bowls. And then after that, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I think, I think Pat Mahomes is probably going to win. He may tie Peyton Manning with five MVPs. I think that's highly possible. I, I really do. Um, the only thing that could potentially sideline him from winning consecutive MVPs or winning that many MVPs is that we could see, like, the Michael Jordan effect in the NFL where people are just tired of always seeing Pat Mahomes as the MVP and they just choose to go in another direction. But I think when his career is all said and done, Pat Mahomes will probably win three, four, five MVPs. But I don't know if he's going to have more than one Super Bowl ring. At most, I think he has two when it's all said and done. I think he has the same amount of Super Bowl rings as Peyton Manning. Not saying Pat Mahomes isn't the best talent in the league. Not saying Pat Mahomes isn't the best quarterback in the league right now. But things change. Teams like the Patriots sustain excellence over a long period of time because what do they not do they don't overpay a player not saying it's right not saying it's wrong it's just a fact they just signed cam newton for a million dollars technically they signed him for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and with incentives and with everything else he could make up to seven million dollars the new england patriots have have the cap room have the money to go and pick up other superstars if they needed to they have that room. Kansas City Chiefs, they're not going to have that room. They're not going to have that they're not going to have that ability in a couple of years. Especially when when Pat Mahomes really starts making that money. When those big huge checks start rolling in for him, they're not going to have the money. It's just a fact of life. I mean, look, I again, I'm not against I'm not against Kansas City signing him. I think that Pat Mahomes deserves the money. He deserves to be the highest paid quarterback ever. The guy's done a lot. Look, I was and I was a Pat Mahomes. I was somebody who who was not on the Pat Mahomes bandwagon. I'll be the first one to admit I was wrong on that one, completely wrong on Pat Mahomes. I said he's got to do it two years in a row. Well, he did it two years in a row. Same thing I'm talking about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's got to do it two years in a row for me to to admit that I'm wrong. I was dead wrong about Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is clearly and utterly the best quarterback in the league. With that being said, I want to transition to Dak Prescott really, really quick because I'm seeing a lot of people, including my boy Will Kane, putting stuff out there saying Dak Prescott's the biggest winner and all this. He's going to make a lot of money. Not necessarily. And here's why. Deshaun Jackson, actually not Deshaun Jackson, I'm talking about him next segment. Deshaun Watson, his contract's going to be up at the end of this season. Deshaun Watson is not going to make Pat Mahomes money. It's, he's not even going to make in the ballpark of Pat Mahomes money. Pat Mahomes is on an island to himself. No one is going to pass. No one, okay, let me put it this way. No franchise should be stupid enough to pay somebody what Pat Mahomes is getting paid. Because no quarterback is as good as Pat Mahomes right now. You can, you, I don't care what quarterback you give me. It doesn't matter. Pat Mahomes is clearly the best quarterback in football. Like, he's not even close. The only quarterback that can sniff him in my opinion, whether you like him or not, as if we're talking skill and ability, is Aaron Rodgers. Because they have similar capabilities. Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are the probably the only two players that can make certain throws on the field that you've ever seen. 
Aaron Rodgers, still, in my opinion, is the greatest thrower of the football I have ever seen. Pat Mahomes is on the trajectory to pass that benchmark. But again, he has to be consistent. He's got to do it over a number of years. Aaron Rodgers has done it consistently for over a decade. But outside of that, no quarterback should be paid anywhere near what Pat Mahomes is being paid. So if the Texans are smart, they're not going to, and that's if Deshaun Watson even wants to stay in Houston. But let's just say he does. Houston's not going to pay him what Pat Mahomes is being paid. The Dallas Cowboys are not going to pay Dak Prescott Pat Mahomes money. Like the Cowboys, everyone's talking about how stupidly the Cowboys have played this. I actually think the Cowboys played this smart. For the first time ever, Jerry Jones didn't cave. He didn't cave to his superstar demands. He didn't cave to the, the, to the media pressure. He actually stuck to his guns. Jerry Jones deserves credit. For the first time in a long time, Jerry Jones deserves credit. I don't think Dak Prescott is going to get this windfall just because Pat Mahomes got paid. And again, Dak Prescott's got to prove it. Like, this is the thing. Like, you, like, all these analysts, and again, I love Will Kane, but Will Kane's a diehard Cowboys fan. He's not seeing straight. And all these other pro-Dak Prescott people in the, in the sports media are just like, oh my God, Dak Prescott just, just lucked out. Completely lucked out here. The Cowboys now have to pay him a shitload of money. No, they don't. The Cowboys are going to stick to their guns. They're going to sign him for the franchise tag. And Dak Prescott has to prove it. He has to Kirk Cousins it. He has to prove that he's worth making $35 million a year or $30 million a year or whatever the amount is, $33 million a year, whatever. He has to prove that he's worth it. Pat Mahomes has proven it. The dudes won a Super Bowl. Okay? Deshaun Watson hasn't proven it, mind you. Deshaun Watson's got injury problems. Like, it, if, and I think Deshaun Watson is probably a top six quarterback in the league. But I'll give Dak Prescott this. Dak Prescott doesn't have injury problems. Deshaun Watson does. So, I mean, like, in my opinion, if I'm, if I'm evaluating quarterbacks, Dak Prescott deserves more money than Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson, skill-wise, is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. But again, injury history matters. So here's the deal. For those in the media that are telling you that Dak Prescott's about to just absolutely kill it, I think they're dead wrong. Unless the Cowboys are really that stupid, which, I mean, I know history tends to show that, you know, if, if, if the moment you think Jerry Jones is going to make a sound decision, he immediately goes in the opposite direction. I get that. But if the Cowboys are somewhat intelligent, they're not just going to overpay Dak Prescott because Pat Mahomes got all this money. And Dak Prescott can bitch and he can hem and he can haw all he wants about how, well, Pat Mahomes made this amount of money, so therefore I should, I'm, it's now my turn, so that means I should make this amount of money. If I was the Cowboys or I was any franchise in the league, I'd laugh him out of the room and say, but you're not Pat Mahomes. You're not. At the end of the day, you're not, you're not at his skill level. And I would throw this in his face. You had, on paper, one of the best offensive teams in the NFL last season, and you blew a game to go to the playoffs to Carson Wentz, who was playing with a bunch of janitors and parking attendants. You had all of your skill players. You have one of the best offensive lines in football, and you choked against your division rival. You played like garbage against him. You guys had a three-game lead on the Eagles near the end of the season or a two-game lead, whatever the hell it was, 
and you couldn't hold that to make it to the postseason. You completely fell apart the latter half of the season, and you allowed the Eagles to slip into the playoffs. That, to me, that's, that's case closed. Done. You want to argue that you're Pat Mahomes? Well, then you better fucking win a Super Bowl this season. That would be my conversation with him today. You think you deserve Pat Mahomes' money? Great. Prove it. Win a Super Bowl. Win a Super Bowl MVP. And then come and talk to me. You do that, you can have Pat Mahomes' money. But until then, shut the hell up. Because you're not Pat Mahomes. So again, to all of those sports people out there who are saying that Dak Prescott's going to make a a lot of money because uh, Pat Mahomes did, shut up. Like, just shut up. It doesn't make sense. But to bring it back full circle here real quick, good for Pat Mahomes. He deserves to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. But like I said, I don't think that that necessarily means that the Chiefs are bound for an obnoxious amount of success over the next 10 years. So Deshaun Jackson this week decided to uh, that it was a smart idea to post anti-Semitic comments, um, actually a fake comment, by Adolf Hitler, which he thought was real. So I have a lot to unpack on this topic. Um, let's start with Deshaun Jackson, and then I'll go into the Stephen Jackson aspect of this, uh, who's the, M- the former NBA player who has come out defending Deshaun Jackson. So Deshaun Jackson made these comments. He has since walked back those comments, sort of, uh, claimed ignorance, claimed that um, you know he was unaware of pretty much like what he was saying. Like he put out he put out this Instagram apology video, which if you watch it, makes no sense. And really, what it just shows is how unintelligent Deshaun Jackson is, um, how poorly educated he is on the topic, and that he's somebody who clearly just spouts out what he thinks is. I don't even want to say that he spouts out what he thinks is, is the right way of thinking. I just think he he's clung on to some sort of ideology or, or whatever and just without doing any research on it is just following a certain cultural feeling about things. I, I don't know. I mean, like, he, he, he quoted Louis Farrakhan. I mean, Louis Farrakhan is one of the most despicable human beings walking the earth. He, I mean, if you don't know who Louis Farrakhan is, Louis Farrakhan is a just an absolutely abhorrent anti-Semite. Like he's an anti-Semitic racist piece of trash. Like he is just an, an absolutely like I can't describe how despicable of a human being Louis Farrakhan is. And yet he's propped up as a really, really intelligent and smart figure by a certain political party. I'll let you guys do your research and figure out which political party that is. Anyway, so Deshaun Jackson made these comments. He's now, quote-unquote, apologized for them. People in the media, the sports media, of course, have talked about how Deshaun Jackson's apology is okay because we've never seen Deshaun Jackson before ever say anything hateful or mean or racist before so or anti-Semitic. So we'll take him at his word that he's, he's apologetic. Okay. Did you give that same credit to Drew Brees when Drew Brees came out? and made his comments? And did you look at back at Drew Brees' history of philanthropy and helping out the black community and doing all of these things for the city of New Orleans? Did that ever come into play when you were raking him over the coals over the weeks? Because he made a 
non-racist, non-anti-Semitic, non-offensive comment about the fact that he stands for the national anthem because of what the national anthem means to him and the fact that he stands for it because he had two grandfathers who fought Adolf Hitler in World War II, that they sacrificed their lives for their country to stop anti-Semitic and racist hate. Did you guys take that into Oh, no, you didn't take that into context, did you? No, that's right. That's right. Where the hell are all the NFL players, by the way, who had no problem speaking out against Drew Brees? Speaking out against Drew Brees because Drew Brees was, was just, you know, he was clearly standing up for white supremacy. And he, by standing for the anthem, he was okay with hate and okay with bigotry. Where are all those players out there right now calling out Deshaun Jackson? They've been interestingly dead silent not one player one current or former nfl player has come out to denounce what deshaun jackson said where's malcolm jenkins malcolm jenkins who was so hurt by what drew Brees said who stands up for for social and racial issues and was just so offended by what drew Brees said was sitting on Instagram live crying his eyes out because he was so offended by Drew Brees. Where was his video crying out because of what Deshaun Jackson wrote or quoted? Where is he standing up for social injustice there? Where, where is he standing up? Why isn't he on CNN like he was after Drew Brees? Why isn't he back on CNN calling out Deshaun Jackson for his comments? You guys seeing... Like, it is... Like, are you guys seeing the con here yet? Like, have we finally reached the point where everybody can wake the fuck up and realize what the hell is going on here? This social injustice bullshit that these athletes are pushing is nothing but bullshit. Because they don't stand up for social injustice. They stand up for the injustice that victimizes them so they can say that they're victims. But they don't stand up for other minorities like Jewish people who are considered a minority in this country. No one stands up for them. But you'll stand up for for black people who are oppressed. But you won't stand up for the Jewish people that are oppressed in this country. Like, what are we doing? And then you have Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson, who is a former NBA player who has been all over the place preaching for Black Lives Matter is now just put out a video talking about how everything Deshaun Jackson said is truthful. Furthering his comments, he then talked about how the Jews are taking over the world. He he furthered the the comments made by um, Al Franken, which Franken always says that that the Jews are evil and they're going to take over the world. Steven Jackson talks about how the Jews own the banks how they're going to take everyone's money. And they are. They're looking to just absolutely rule the world, that the Jews are evil and they're coming for you. Stephen Jackson make these comments. Again, defending Al Franken, defending Deshaun Jackson. This is after Deshaun Jackson has come out and apologized for his comments, mind you. Where are all the NBA players? Where's our great leader, Mr. LeBron James, who stands up for injustice for everybody? Where the fuck is he? 
The man who couldn't, literally, the story broke about Drew Brees. LeBron James was on Twitter not even 15 minutes after that story broke denouncing Drew Brees. Where in God's name is he? You guys figuring it out yet? Have you figured out the game that's being played? This is crap. This is complete bullshit. And the fact, again, that the sports media is more interested in defending these people than calling them out for their hypocritical just BS should tell you everything you need to know about cancel culture, about Black Lives Matter, about everything that's been taking place in our, in our cultural lexicon over the past month and about five weeks. Guys, it's not about social injustice. It's not about social injustice because if it was about social injustice, everyone would be holding everybody accountable. And that's not the case. You're only held accountable if you think a certain way. Drew Brees is held accountable, was held accountable because he didn't march in lockstep with the way that the mainstream media wanted you to think, with the way that the, that the athletes wanted you to think. Deshaun Jackson marches in lockstep with those people, so he doesn't get called out. Steven Jackson has been promoting Black Lives Matter in, in his version of what social injustice apparently is, that doesn't include Jews, but includes everybody else who he believes is a victim. He's okay. Because, well, he stands for us on these certain issues. So what he says is fine. We'll let him. He, he can say what he wants. No big deal. We won't call him out for it. This is the problem. This is the problem with our culture. This is the problem in sports, particularly in sports. I'm not even going in politics here. I'm literally staying in the sports lane here for a second. This is the problem with what the NBA is doing too. The NBA. The NBA who stands for for, again, oppression, social injustice. They're, they're having the, the players be able to put these, these statements on the backs of their jerseys rather than their names that, that are saying like equality and um, education reform, which I 100% agree with, by the way. That's fine. If, you, if, every, if every NBA player put education reform on the back of their jerseys, I would 100% applaud that. Anyway, they're putting all of these quote-unquote you know, matter, you know, social injustice matters on the backs of their jerseys. Is anybody allowed to put free Hong Kong on the back of their jerseys? Anybody allowed to talk about what's just taking place in China? Oh, of course not. And why is that? Oh, because it will affect the NBA's bottom line. Adam Silver is a fucking fraud. The NBA as a league is fraudulent in their social injustice, again, message. I almost said bullshit again. I'm trying not to say that word consistently. It is bullshit, but their social injustice message is crap because they don't stand up for social injustice. They only stand up for whatever supports their bottom line. And I understand they're a business, and I've talked about businesses before, and businesses should look out for their bottom line, and I get that. But when you make such a cultural when you're trying to make such a, you're trying to make a movement and you're trying to talk about how you stand up for social injustice, for injustice for all, that everybody deserves to be created equal, then why the hell are you supporting China? LeBron James, again, 
who is propped up. Again, people talk about him as he's the Muhammad Ali of this, of this generation, how he stands up for people who are treated unjust, how he's so dedicated to social injustice, yet he has no problem taking money from Nike and taking money from China. No problem whatsoever. Even though Nike, Nike, most of Nike's business comes from China. Again, another corporation. That, like, let's be real. They have freaking sweatshops. They're, they're paying people nothing to make LeBron James' sneakers. Yeah, LeBron James is not standing up to Nike. If the NBA and, and, and LeBron James in general... Or any of these social... It's not just LeBron. I, I keep calling out LeBron James, and I shouldn't. We can call it a lot of NBA other, uh, athletes. Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant. All of these athletes who stand up for social injustice, yet they're okay with taking money from China. Making sure that it does... As long as social injustice doesn't affect their bottom line, they'll speak out on it. That's the con here. That's my issue. That's been my issue from day one. Look, you can call me a lot of things. Okay, you can call me arrogant, you can call me self-righteous, and I understand that I sound that way a lot, and I've probably sounded that way a lot on this podcast. You can call me a lot of things, but the one thing that you could never call me is a hypocrite. Because I'm not hypocritical. I refuse to be hypocritical. The, the fact that the audacity of these, of these players, the audacity of these leagues, and the NFL is, is, is right there with them now. The audacity that these leagues think that, that the people of this country are so freaking ignorant to what's going on right in front of their eyes is as appalling as anything. Will the NBA still make their money? Absolutely. Will the NFL still make their money? Yes, they will. I'm not saying that you need to, bo- like, look, am I still going to watch NFL games? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to watch NFL games. Am I going to watch NBA games? Yeah, Maybe. I mean, I won't lie about that. I, I'm, not, I'm not a diehard NBA fan. I could not watch NBA games. I'd be fine with it at this point. But the NFL, I, I'll be the first one to admit to you, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to watch NFL games. But I can tell you one thing. I'm done buying Nike products. I, who was a huge Nike supporter for years, I've got Nike everything. I will never buy another piece of Nike clothing. I won't. I won't give them my money anymore. I mean, they've shown me their true colors over the past couple weeks. So here's the deal. At the end of the day, this has been a long rant. To bring it back full circle here, Deshaun Jackson makes anti-Semitic statements. No one calls him out for it. Steven Jackson, former NBA player, comes out and defends Deshaun Jackson's statements and then furthers further comments on it, making more anti-Semitic and racist comments. No one in, in any of the sports leagues calls him out on it. But don't forget now, silence is complicity, unless, of course, you think the way that you're supposed to think, and then you can be silent. At least that's what we're told by the athletes. Remember that? Remember when all this started a few weeks ago? Tweets were going out that's, that read, silence is complicity. If you're silent, if you don't stand up for, for what we're telling you to stand up for, if you're not vocal about how awful everything is in this country then you're complicit in the racism. Apparently, though, you can be silent if you think a certain way. If you think and you look at the world a certain way, 
Hell, you can be as silent and as hypocritical as you want. All right, so my last word segment, I'm going to try to lighten it up a little bit. Um, not a fan of ESPN anymore. For those of you who, who didn't listen to my podcast last week, I've talked about how with Will Kane gone, I'm pretty much done with ESPN. Um, I'm even more done with ESPN now that they signed Colin Kaepernick. Um, Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick is now getting a docu-series, the likes of Michael Jordan's The Last Dance and the one that they're doing for Tom Brady, which is a flipping joke. Uh, I, I just I can't even begin to explain how obscene that is and the fact that they're bringing Jamel Hill back to be the executive producer of that like you already know what the docuseries is going to be which means that it's just going to be a complete pile of bullshit and it's not going to be worth anybody's time to watch even though I'm sure it'll it'll make its rounds but anyway ESPN has announced their new radio lineup and it is just god awful so quick shout out real quick though to Mike Golick Mike Golick is no longer a part of ESPN Radio. ESPN has decided to part ways with Golick. Why? I will never know because I think Golick has been incredible for 20 years. He's been in that radio time slot at 6 a.m., 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. For 20 years, he did whatever it was, 17 or 18 years with Mike Greenberg before Greenberg screwed him over and bounced and went to get up to host get up. Um... Golik has been the constant professional. I've read up articles about him, and they've always talked about everyone who has ever been on that show has always talked about how warm, how inviting, how just kind Mike Golik has always been. So the fact that Golik is no longer in ESPN Radio is a huge loss to them. And I don't know if anyone's ever going to have a 20-year run like Mike Golik has having the morning drive time slot on a syndicated radio platform like ESPN. So shout-outs to Mike Golik for being a constant professional all these years. So anyway, to replace that show, which was Golik and Wango, they now have Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahenti. Keyshawn Johnson has done radio in the past. He's been on ESPN LA for, I think, the last three or four years. So Keyshawn Johnson's got radio experience. Jay Williams, who is a college basketball analyst, and Zubin Mahenti, who is a sports center person, neither one of them have any radio experience. I don't understand what the hell they were thinking. There were rumors that they were talking about putting Keyshawn with Jalen Rose and Jacoby, which would have made total sense because Jalen and, and Jacoby have their podcast. They have chemistry. They've been on television. Uh, they, their podcast was simulcast through ESPN2 and ESPN News for years. They have good chemistry. They're interesting. With Keyshawn Johnson, I actually think that would have been a really good show. Instead, they do this. Dan Lebetard is now on from 10 to 12. They've cut back Dan Lebetard by an hour, which I think is unbelievably foolish. I am not a fan of Dan Lebetard whatsoever. But Dan Lebetard and Stu Gatz have got something going. People like their show. They're one of the most popular radio shows in the country. And for whatever reason, ESPN has very, very quietly tried to push Dan out the back door for a while now. Like I don't think Lebetard's long for ESPN. I'm thinking he's going to bounce and go to Sirius or go to Fox Sports Radio um, in the not-so-distant future, and he should. He should because he – I think he and Will Kane were the top two shows on ESPN Radio uh, for the last two or year and a half to two years. They Look, again, I'm not the biggest Dan Lebetard fan, but that doesn't take away the fact that Dan Lebetard is unbelievably brilliant at radio. And the fact that they're pushing back an hour of his time slot is just stupidity at the highest level. Mike Greenberg now has a radio show from 12 to 2. Mike Greenberg is obviously a radio veteran. 
he he had Mike and Mike for 17 or 18 years, whatever the hell it was. And Green, look, Greenberg is good at hosting. I mean, he just is. He's I think he and Van Pelt are the top two uh, sports commentators going at ESPN. If we're just talking about just pure being able to drive a show, being able to uh, to control really whether it's a television show, a radio show, a podcast, it doesn't matter. I think they're the two best added at the network. The problem with Mike Greenberg, though, is that he's so damn milk toast and boring. I, I just I, I don't understand why anybody would want to listen to him because Greenberg doesn't ever say anything that's outside of the norm. He always just goes right down the line. He's always down the middle. He's not controversial. He doesn't ever step one toe out of line. He's just he's just boring to listen to. And then you get the 12 to 4 p.m. time slot, which this is the Balmani Jones of ES of, of the new Bomani Jones, which means that the show is going to go absolutely nowhere fast. And that's giving Max Kellerman a solo show for two hours. Good God. Like, look, I have my issues with Max Kellerman. Everyone who's listening to this podcast knows that that dude is the worst. I mean, it's like giving Shannon Sharp a freaking radio show for two hours. Like what, why would you ever want to listen to Max Kellerman talk about his nonsense for two hours is beyond me. Like the fact that I actually thought ESPN was gonna was going to find a replacement for him on first take because he and Stephen A. Smith are awful together. Like it's just it's not a good it's just not a good show. I mean, there were rumors that that they were gonna bring Skip Bayless back because Bayless's contract is up at Fox Sports. That would have been a much better decision. And instead, you're giving him first take and you're giving him his own radio show. Good luck. Then you have Chiny and Golik from four to seventh uh Golik Jr., excuse me, from 4 to 7 p.m., it makes no sense to me. Uh, Golik Jr. is just, that's just nepotism at its finest. I mean, Golik Jr. is not all that interesting to listen to, uh, but he, um, you know, he's uh, he's been on Mike and Mike. He was on Mike and Mike for near the end of their run, and then he's been on Golik and and, uh, Wingo uh, for the past couple years. He's been like the third chair on that radio show. Um, but he's really not that interesting to be completely honest with you, but that is what it is. Then you have Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain is awful on radio. She had her own radio show. She was solo for about a year. That's why they put her up with Fitz because she can't carry a show and she's really not that interesting. And then you have Coleman and Fitzsimmons, which is probably the best radio show on this lineup. And that's from 9 PM to 1 AM. Um, Freddie Coleman and Ian Fitzsimmons are both really fun and interesting dudes. They should have put them either up at the 6 to 10 a.m. or they should have put them at like where Kellerman is um, and just completely got rid of the the Chiney and Golik Jr. and just had them run from like 2 to 7 or 3 to 7 or something like that and make Greenberg show three hours. Um, but Coleman and Fitzsimmons honestly are, are the best people on this lineup. Like that's going to be your best show and it's on from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. which means nobody's going to listen to it unless you're on the West Coast. So I look, ESPN is just digging their own grave here. They've, um, th- this is more about, this is more about being woke and pushing left-wing politics than it is anything else. Especially when, again, you have Keyshawn, Jay, and Zubin, which that's what you're going to get. You're going to get left-wing politics in your sports talk. You're going to get the same thing with Max Kellerman. Like that's all Kellerman's going to do is talk politics on his, on his thing. It's going to be, I can already tell you his show every day, Max Kellerman's show every day is going to be pro player, anti-owner. Whatever the player does is okay, even if, even if what he says is absolutely outlandish, but it's okay because it's the player and the owner are the bad guys because they're the billionaires. Like that, that next element is just going to be all politics. It's going to be all just all social and political issues. 
and it's just going to be awful to listen to. Uh, again, Chinese and Golic Jr., I don't, I just don't find that to be all that fascinating. Spain and Fitz is going to be an awful listen because Sarah Spain is just absolutely boring as shit. And Coleman and Fitzsimmons is your best show. If it were me, there are plenty of other talented people who should have gotten radio slots that still work at ESPN. One of them being Dan Orlovsky. Another one being L. Duncan. L. Duncan is awesome. She does SportsCenter. She's, she used to be on Will Kane Show all the time. She would have been great on radio. Uh, Diana Rossini, who's an NFL reporter, would have been an excellent, excellent person on radio. They have plenty of talented people at ESPN that would have been much better served in any one of these radio time slots than what they've done. So, again, I, I am done with ESPN radio. I am done trying to... I, I am really done with ESPN in general. Like, I just... I think that they're... They're slowly, they're slowly drying up. I mean, Clay Travis always talks about how they've become MS ESPN, and, and they really have. I mean, they've allowed politics to control what they're doing, what they're producing, what they're putting out there for the masses. It's, it's really not about sports anymore. It's become much more about, um, much more about, about politics, really. Uh, they, every topic is about politics now. And I understand there's not live sports, but I mean, they, they could be talking about golf. They could be talking about soccer. There are other things other than politics. And yet every single one of these shows always seems to be pushing a left, a left leaning or left wing agenda. And, you know, th- there's one thing to be said about Will Kane, and at least Will Kane was somewhat of the counterbalance. And he was willing to have the discussion on the other side of the aisle. And now they've lost all of that. And they're going to lose a huge audience. I mean, it's not just me that's not going to stop. That's going to stop listening to them. It's going to be a whole bunch of people. I still support Scott Van Pelt. I will always support Scott Van Pelt, um, mainly because he's apolitical. I know I'm saying I'm done with ESPN, but Scott Van Pelt still has his ESPN, his, his late night show on ESPN. I will always support Scott Van Pelt because the man has always stayed apolitical, and I've always respected him for that. That's why I've always respected Ryan Rosillo, even though he's not at ESPN anymore. But the point that I'm trying to make is that for the most part, ESPN has just become a political, a political state uh, station that sometimes talk sports. That's really what they've become. And it's too bad because ESPN used to be a really fun listen. And now it's just completely gone downhill. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the La Valley Sports Talk Podcast, brought to you by the Soundline Network. As always, thank you so much for tuning and listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please be sure to check me out on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review while you're there. Be sure to check out all the other great podcasts we have for you from the Soundline Network, including Richo's Rant, Drinks with Dan, and the always favorited Richo and Lala. That's it. That's all I have for you this week. Like I said, uh, the early part of this uh, podcast, be sure to check out some golf, guys, or if you're interested... There, there is international soccer that is on. Um, if you do have ESPN, as much as I've been railing against ESPN here, if you do have ESPN Plus, they um, they do have plenty of soccer to watch. So if you're interested, you can check that out. Uh, but again, golf, I highly recommend it. Even if you're not a big golf fan, take a couple hours. Watch some golf this weekend. I, I promise you it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. The golf has been very exciting. It's been extremely competitive. It'll scratch that that live sports itch that I know a lot of you have. So anyway, stay safe out there. Love you all. Talk to you all again soon.